this morning, um, I got a question. How many like driving the car, just driving? To me, one of my most perfect experiences of relaxation is to drive on a sunny, warm day, one hand on the wheel and a coffee in my hand. I just, what? 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 I have no idea what you guys are talking about because everybody's talking at once. I'm telling you something I like. Coffee. Driving. Coffee in my hand. I don't care. Send Officer Tim. I'll get a long straw. There are ways around it. What? Oh, that'll go over well. This is running away from me pretty quick, so. <laughs> Not every single time do I go out and I have a plan. I just like to drive. Take a long road and sunny road, and I happen to have this thingy that opens up so I get to see the sky, which is nice. Apparently, it's illegal to stand up and drive at the same time. But anyway, um, I just enjoy the drive and see where it gets me. Sometimes it gets me way out of town. Sometimes I drive through town watching people. And in that time, I see things. I see people. And, and sometimes I'm inspired. Other times it's just a coffee drive. Just fun. You know, I just love it. But once in a while, God shows me some cool stuff. He kind of shows me somebody which triggers a memory of somebody else, which reminds me of a situation and so on. You, have, you know what I'm talking about. It happens. So this morning, I got into my car and drove here. Because I have to. My job. So, <laughs> but on the way, I realized, hmm, what I had planned kind of did a detour. And so, uh, um, uh, it was easier doing a series, because then I know what's coming. But when you don't have a series, you're in, it's like, oh, what do you do? You know, it's, now you've got all these options. And I got tons of suggestions from everybody of, of some topics that are dear to your hearts. And uh, uh, this fall, we'll begin covering them. But today, I, I, I thought of what we ended with last week. I handed out an identity chart. Some of you didn't get it because I didn't print enough. But if you're on the email list, I emailed you the link where you can get more. So uh, uh, just give me your email address and we'll send it out to you and I'll try and print off more. But that, the, the positive self-talk matters. So as summer's ending, I thought, I'm going to take a road down some scripture lane. I'm going to take a look at some scriptures today, ones that have been dear to my heart. And if nothing else, I want to remind you of the power of God's Word. Not just of His Word, the Word, Logos, Jesus being the Word. I'm not talking about the Bible. The Bible's great, but it has no power. It's a book. You guys know that, right? When we say we believe the Bible, we believe that God inspired it. But the Bible is not the word, the logos of God. It is the written description that's been provided through history of a book we can trust. I'm not going to get into the questions of inerrancy and all that stuff because honestly, anybody that asks the question about inerrancy, it means you have your definition of what it means. And if I don't give it back to you exactly according to your definition, I'm wrong. And we start a fight. So we start off wrong. But I trust God's word. I love reading the Bible. 
I love trusting that the Holy Spirit will speak to my heart because it is the Spirit of God that speaks to us from inside. From inside. Every one of you has a voice speaking to you. Many can't hear it because we've got earbuds in all the time. It overpowers it often. Or we have distractions and we don't stop to hear what God may be saying. Can he overpower earbuds? Absolutely. Don't you think God's big enough to get your attention? Look at parents for a minute. They know how to get their kids' attention. My house has got some weird windy walls and, and it's plaster and lathe, which means you can hardly hear anything and Wi-Fi is terrible in certain rooms. So when it's dinner time in our house, we can yell. And uh, Lori's not here, so I can say this. Um, we have this bell. And when I ring the bell, it goes, like it's on, it's on a little chain, and I ring it. You can hear it throughout the whole house. But I make sure I ring it long enough for everybody to hear it, including Simon, who's now in the basement, took over Noah's spot at the computer and goofing around and headphones on. They can't hear much down there, so I ring, 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 ring. When Lori calls, it's ding, ding. What? What was that? Didn't know what it was. But if she really wants to get our attention, it's enhanced with an extra voice call. <laughs> Didn't I call you for supper? No, she's not like that. She's, she's far more gentle. You guys know her heart. But anyway, I overanimate some things. So in our home, if we need to get someone's attention, it's our job. As a parent, it's my job to find my kids. If I have a message to communicate to them, I find them. I go down to the computer and pull the headphones off Simon or Noah and go, Hello, supper time, the bell is rung, get your butt upstairs and the rest of you too. You know? So up they come and we enjoy. You got that, didn't you? Good. So, is God big enough to get your attention? Are you his child? If your kid is running to the street chasing after a ball and there's a car coming, they're oblivious to the fact that, there is a, uh, that, that, that they're in danger, a parent is not going to go, Ding, ding, psst, stop. You might get hit. Stop. No. They do a stop. They do the yell. They get the attention of the kid. Or they'll even throw themselves in front of it or whatever. They scoop them out. Your daddy, your heavenly father, is big enough to get your attention. And the good news is this. Please hear this. This is going to be hard to communicate. I hope I say it right. Even when we don't want to hear... God is still there holding us through our wrong choices as we choose to go, la, 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 I'm not listening to you, God, because it requires a lot of change in my life, and I'm not ready for that right now. I want my way. And he lovingly holds you and goes, okay, you're going to trip, you're going to fall, but I got you the whole way. I will not leave you. Can you hear that? He will not. He promised never to leave you or forsake you. The word forsake means to abandon. It's impossible for God to abandon you. But you can feel abandoned. You can feel like he's not there. Who else felt that God wasn't there? Jesus, at a moment at the cross... My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In his scream, he's not declaring a truth, God, you've forsaken me. He's quoting a psalm, Psalm 22. Because in the rest of the psalm, it points out, he cannot forsake you, he will not. But in his humanness, he felt it. Right at a time when everything was crashing in. 
You will have crashing in times. You will have desperate times. God is there holding you. Even when you fail miserably, in his eyes, you're adored and you are a success. We covered that in the series we just finished. It's beautiful. So today, I want to speak to your heart and mind. Because it's in your mind you wrestle with things. It's in your mind you choose what to believe and what to throw out. What you digest and, and ponder and think about. So I want to give you some really, really cool stuff. The simple gospel. This is the simple gospel. He died. I died. He was buried. I was buried. He rose. I rose. He ascended. I ascended. Christ is my life. I live by faith in him. Or better yet, I, had, I don't know how that got there. That's supposed to say, I live by his faith in me. I live by his faith in me. <coughs> Let's read this slowly. Every single line here is important. And you are being challenged by Scripture to believe that this is true. For when you believe it's true, your perspective on your problems change radically. He died. When Jesus died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. When he rose, I rose. When he ascended, I ascended. Christ is my life, and I live by his faith in me. Okay? Let's take a look at the first favorite verse, Colossians. I'm getting a lot of scripture today. If you can't remember all this stuff and you don't take notes, you can always go onto YouTube at the uh, end of today. I should have it up by tonight. Uh, you can always go back and, and look up the scriptures that I'm talking about. You need to check out the scriptures. You cannot just say, oh, Pastor Mike put the scriptures up. Must be true. Don't do that. Don't do that for any minister, any teacher, anybody. You must search it out yourself. See for yourself. Many years ago, as I was um, getting to know Steve McVeigh, um, many people started to say I was uh, a McVeighite, as in I would follow him too much. And he's, ooh, you just believe everything he says. And, and I thought, that is such an insulting statement after they were quoting all their radio hosts that they trust. I thought, that is a very foolish thing to say and accuse somebody of following somebody. We all need mentors. The beauty is, the things I learned from Steve, and now many other teachers, he spoke into my life, and he taught me my identity in Christ, but it did not sit well. <laughs> in fact, it caused the greatest turmoil in my life, and the turmoil has not ended yet. There's still more to learn, more to unlearn. And I had to go to Scripture myself, and that message he showed me had to become mine. I had to believe it, because if you guys know me by now, I cannot say anything up here I do not believe. I don't do fake. You have to pay more. It's the way it works. I cannot say something I cannot believe. I just can't do it. It's not fair. It's not worth it. My job's too important here. Everything you get from me is going to be real very transparent. I've been transparent over the years, and I'll do the best I can today. This verse, verse 27, was my big light. When this one was revealed to me, and I'd read it before, yeah, whatever, isn't that nice? How many verses in the Bible have you guys read and reread? Yeah, I've heard that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice. Guess what happened? God already put it in you. 
so that when the light turns on for you, he can go and highlight it, what was already there. Listen to this. Colossians 1, 24 to 29. And I'm going to read from multiple translations. The first one's really long. Just, just a warning. I know it's long. So what? You've got nothing else to do for the next half hour. Just listen. <laughs> now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship of God. I love this. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship of God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That verse hit me this morning. He made a personal to Hope Fellowship. I went, oh, that's pretty cool. Which means, oh, responsibility. Shoot. <laughs> Can't fake it. But this is cool. I was made a minister. God brought me. As long as I'm here, I'm here. When he takes me out, he takes me out. Whatever. If this church grows, it grows. If it dies, it dies. It's his church. Big deal. We're not trying to grow a church. We're trying to make disciples. We're trying to equip the saints to love, to be who you really are. Unfortunately, most people don't know who they really are. That's my job, to try and help you know who you really are. The gospel, the good news so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery. Here it is. This is the good news. The mystery which has been, has been hidden from the past ages and generations. But now has been manifested, revealed to his saints. And here it is. Are you a saint? Yes, because the Bible declares you one. You are a saint. You don't try to become one. You are one because of who lives in you. He says, this is what's been declared to the saints. To whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is, here it is, Christ in you. The hope of glory. This is the single largest piece of information you must believe. Christ is in you. He doesn't pop in and out whenever you're good or bad. Boop, 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 boop. doesn't happen. I grew up believing that, though. He's in you. I always thought he was with me. So as I went along, do-do-do-do, and there's a bad place to go into, he stays there, and I go in and enjoy myself and come back out. Okay, we can keep going. That is not how it works. You and he are one. You're fused together into a new union. It's a supernatural thing that has happened. You and Christ together as one. He's not you, you're not him, but you're one. That is your identity. That's the real you. Here we go. We proclaim him, Jesus, admonishing every person and teaching every person with all wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to, according to, according to his power, which mightily works within me and mightily works in you. You possess the same power that raised Lazarus from the dead. You possess the same power. When Jesus said, get up and walk, that power is in you. Now, Christianity, the religion, has done this. It's hijacked what Jesus did and said, now we got to go copycat Jesus and do everything he did. And if you're not, you're not a good Christian. That's baloney. 
You're not Jesus. That was not your calling. Jesus went, and as he was going, he ministered to people. He shared life, spoke into people. He fulfilled the law, which is part of his purpose of coming, was to fulfill the law, not take it away. He tried to raise the bar so high to mess up all the Jews, because the Jews brought down, adding a bunch of rules they could sort of keep, and use them to judge everyone else. Did you know that when they were carrying the law in the desert, in the Old Testament, the law was placed there as a judgment against them? Look it up. There's a lot of surprises in Scripture. The law is not there for you. You're not for the law. You died to the law. And if you're not a Jew, it was never for you anyway. Ever. Can you learn from the history? Absolutely. There's much we can learn. Let's keep going. From the message, it says this. Another translation. I want you to know how glad I am that it's me sitting here in this jail and not you. There's a lot of suffering to be entered into this world. The kind of suffering Jesus takes on. I welcome the chance to take my share in the church as part of that suffering. When I became a servant in this church, I experienced this suffering as a sheer gift. God's way of helping me serve you. Laying out the whole truth. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time. But now it's out, out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery, in a nutshell, is just this. Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. We preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. To be mature is to be basic. Christ. No more, no less. That's, why, that's what I am working so hard at day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me. Paul knew his source. He understand. He understood clearly who his source was for all that he did, all the wisdom, all the power to do it, even the energy to endure suffering when it was a really bad day. Humanly, do you think he was grumpy at times? You betcha. We have enough evidence of him getting into fights with people and just being human. But in the end, after wrestling through, remember, you cannot take every emotion that comes into your head and go, oh, this is true. Your emotions are responders to what you think about. They are not truth. They are not truth. Sometimes, when we're in danger, our emotions hijack reason and go right into rescue mode. And we, we, we jump into whatever it is we have to do to get out of our danger zone. But for what we're talking about today, your emotions are responders to what you think about. You go to a scary movie and you're, ah, especially 3D ones, fool. You know, um, is there really danger? No. But your mind doesn't know the difference. So, I'm challenging you to think truth. Challenge the thoughts that come into your head. Let's take a look at some more, some more good news. Ephesians 2.6. To confirm he died, we died, we ro he rose, we rose, and so on. Listen to this. Ephesians 2.6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. 
You're already seated in Christ. You are united with him. You don't get to be united with him. In fact, I used to think the gospel is this. Jesus loves me, this I know. And when I die, I get eternal life. That's what I grew up believing. And most Christians in the Western world, that's kind of how they see it. Uh Uh-uh. Christ is my life now. I possess eternal life because eternal life is a person. His name's Jesus. I knew you knew that. I just thought I'd tell you. Listen to this in the message. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with, what? No help from us. That's weird. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. I love this line. No help on our own. You see, we like to help God out. He gives a little inspiration, a little picture. Ooh, that's a dream. Got it from here. I got it. That's all you got to tell me? I'll do the rest. And then we go, help me, God, I didn't do it anywhere. Please take over. You know, the cycle? Have you ever done that? No? I'm sure you have. So, God doesn't need your help. He's inviting you to participate in what he is doing. He's doing the work. And sometimes we get this idea that religious service, Christian service, is so much better than the world stuff. I want to be a pastor. Please don't. I'm serious. Do not become a pastor unless God calls you. If you think it's a cool job because you don't have to do anything all week, (laughs) you know what I mean. Know your calling. What gifts do you have? Are you a computer genius? Get in the tech world and be life and love in the tech world. Are you good with kids? Become a child worker somewhere. Be a teacher, something. Work with kids and speak into their lives. Do you like flipping burgers? Good, flip burgers for Jesus. Love them. Love each person you work with. Wherever you go, librarian, doctor, dentist, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter what job it is, wherever you are, Christ is. Wherever you are, Christ is. You bring light wherever you go. You're the light of the world. Be light. Quit trying to wear a dark jacket over top of it. Don't let me know I'm a Christian. Do you know why people do that? Do you know why people are afraid to show that they're believers? It's because the Christian religion has screwed it all up. Made us all look bad. Like weird geeks and religious fanatics. Jesus was not a religious fanatic. He did not come to start a religion. He came to start a revolution. There's a big difference. He did not come to bring revival. He came to bring revelation. And the most important revelation he came to bring was to reveal his daddy. Because the world screwed up their view of who God the Father was. They saw him as some old ogre that was angry all the time. Ready to put wrath and fire on the earth. (laughs) Then please come into my heart, wrathful God who's angry at me all the time. Really? Jesus came to reveal the love of God. And on the cross, when he said, Father, forgive them, he was showing that the Father God is exactly like him. Forgiving. That was a picture of God the Father through Jesus. Jesus came to reveal the Father. You remember what he said? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He and I are one. We're the same. More good news. Here we go. Romans 6, 1-7, another long one, sorry. What? Shh. 
shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Remember, he just finished telling them that, hey, it's all good, you're covered under grace. But the natural question is, for many people, well, then I can do whatever I want. I can sin all I want. They automatically go to sin. God, can I sin all I want? They don't go to, ooh, I can do lots of good now. I haven't heard that from anybody. They always say, well, does that mean I can sin? Honestly, I have not had anybody ever ask me that in light of this text. It's really funny how we default to the, ooh, how much can I get away with? It's very true. The beauty is, as this starts to settle in, get this, this is going to happen. You get to see the magnitude of the grace of Christ. You're going to want to do good. You're going to want to love others. You're not going to want to sin because you're clean. You're not going to want to jump in the mud pile again. Absolutely. Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? He says, may it never be, a.k.a. you idiot. Of course not. How shall, that's the new interpretation. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Which implies this. Don't you know you've died to sin? He's making a very, very important point. You have died to sin. What does that mean? That's a big subject we can't cover today, but it's good news. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in, live out the newness of life in you. Christ is in you and he wants out. When Jesus was on the cross and he died, you were in Christ. You were placed into Christ on the cross. You were baptismoed into Christ. So the rule that we have seen in religion that says you must be baptized is not a demand to become somebody. The encouragement is show outwardly what has gone on inside. It's already happened. You've already been baptized. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm getting baptized so I can make sure I get to heaven. Ugh, you've already been baptized. Come on. That's the problem. Who's been teaching you? Folks, the gospel's simple, not complicated. Where are we here? For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Do Christians sin? Yes. Your identity is not, I am a sinner saved by grace. Your identity is, I am a saint who sometimes sins because I forget my identity. There's a huge difference. Do we have any teachers in this room? Hands up. Okay. Do we have any uh, custodial staff in this room? Do you work as a maintenance person? Repair. Construction. Computer guy. Real estate. Work for home hardware. <laughs> Got that side of the room. Any police officers? Any firemen? Doctors? What do you do? Yeah. I'm an IT guy, volunteer firefighter. Very cool. Awesome. Is your identity firefighter? Is that really who you are? Or is that what you do? It's what you do. See, 
Ralph Harris, if you know him, he's written a couple good books. Um, he calls what we do a residential identity. Ah, there's room. See, now, now we can take, I knew there was something to my, my doing. Yes, there is something to your doing. Your doing's great. But the real you, as a spirit who's having a human experience, that's your identity. And your identity is one with Christ. What you do flows out of your identity. So if I say I'm a sinner, then I'm declaring I'm a person based on what I do. So if I keep sinning, then I am a sinner. So when I stop sinning, does that mean I'm not a sinner? Really? It's, it's, it's subtle, but it's flagrantly different. It's huge. It's a mindset. And the more you come to believe you're a saint, clean, pure, completely forgiven already, then you begin to walk in it, which we've been encouraged to do. Walk it out. This is all good news. Renew your minds. I'm not going to read the mirror one right now. Colossians 3, 3 to 4. For you have died. See, this is non-negotiable. This is not when I said the prayer I died. No, when did you die? Tell me when you died in time and space. 2,000 years ago at the cross. That is when you died. It's done. When you died. So it's a fact. You have died. And your life, your real life, is hidden with Christ in God. That's a pretty tight package. Okay, this is good news stuff. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. In the message it says this, your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you, the glorious you, meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. You have died. You're a new person. You're a new creation. You're good. Parents, don't ever tell your kids they're bad. That is categorically incorrect at every single level. Your kids are good. They may be acting like who they aren't. They may be acting badly. They may be mis... <laughs> well, disobeying is the right word. They could be doing that, but they aren't bad. I've learned as a result of this journey, just speaking to my kids' lives differently, I say, what you have done is not pleasing. You are pleasing. You're good. Stop acting like that. Unfortunately, there's a consequence to this, so <laughs> on we go. Because there are consequences in life. But I speak to their identities. You're good. And as adults, if you've grown up being told you're bad, you're shameful, you're no good, it's time to hear a new voice, the one that's been speaking to you all along. And when you hear it, you'll know it's true. That voice is Jesus declaring your righteousness inside of you. You're good. He's made you good. Now be good. Philippians 1. I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. He's saying, hey, I, I, I wish I could die right now because then I could be with Jesus. That's a logical thought. It's okay to think that. But let God take care of the timing. He doesn't need our help. Okay? Eat right. Exercise. Live longer. Because then you'll have a greater chance of fulfilling the life he's called you to live out. 
Everything happening to me is in this jail only serves to make Christ more accurately known. Regardless of whether I live or die, they don't shut me up. They gave me a pulpit. <laughs> Alive! I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. Life versus even more life? I can't lose. As long as I'm alive in this body, there's good work for me to do. What a great idea. What a great opinion. What a great attitude. While I'm alive, there's work to do. And Christ in me is going to empower me. He's going to be the inspirer of the ideas. He's going to be the energy to carry out those ideas. And he'll be the resource to fulfill everything he's going to do. And he gets all the glory. And we get to cheer on going, yeah, God. For Second Peter. Oh, darn. I've got to end with this. Lots here. The, this is the journey of maturing. Okay? Let me read it carefully. You can even close your eyes if you just want to listen because there's a lot here. As we know Jesus better, His divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. He has called us to receive His own glory and goodness. And by that same mighty power, He has given us all of his rich and wonderful promises. As in, listen to this, you lack nothing, folks. You are fully complete in Christ. Your children are complete in Christ. You are complete in Christ. Life's good. Life's really good. And by that same mighty power, he's given us all of his rich and wonderful promises. He has promised you will escape the decadence all around you caused by evil desires and that you will share in his divine nature. So, here it is. Make every effort. Oh my goodness, I thought under grace I'd just sit here and like, like do nothing and, and God kind of does this zoom thing, you know, and, and tractor beams me into himself and I got to do nothing, you know. No. Make every effort. He's given you a will. He's inspired your mind to respond to the will and choose right. He's the determiner of what's right and wrong, not us. Make sure you're not eating off the wrong tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong, and be the determiner of each. That's not what you're called to do. Out of that tree comes judgment, judging each other. Instead, you live off the life of Christ who is in you, who is your life, and he'll just inspire you. All you gotta do is believe and live in him. He's big enough to get your attention and draw you to the things he wants you to do. So make every effort to apply the benefits. They're yours already. So now apply them of these promises in your life. Then your faith. Whose faith? It says your faith. But really, whose faith is it? It's his faith. He gave you faith. It's his. And it's yours now. So by the faith he's given you, your faith now will produce a life of moral excellence. A life of moral excellence leads to knowing God better. How many want to do that? Want to know God better? I do. Knowing God leads to self-control. That's weird, but it's true. Self-control leads to patient endurance. How many times have we prayed for self-control? Lord, give me more self-control. I've given you all you need. That's what he's telling you. I need more patience. No, you don't. I've given you all you need. All the patience that could possibly be needed is in you by the person of Christ. Now, learn to draw, draw on his patience. 
Father, make your patience real in me. May your self-control be fruitful in my life. Instead of me trying to make it happen. Self-control leads to patient endurance. Patient endurance leads to godliness. Godliness leads to love for other Christians. Isn't that sweet? We get to love other Christians. Isn't that nice? We get to love each other in the church. Isn't this great? Oh, yeah. You know, we, bring, we have food and fellowship and movies and singing. And we just love each other. Praise the Lord. Isn't that great? That's easy. It's easy to do that part, in a sense. What's coming will rock your world. And finally, you will grow to have a genuine love for everyone. Why is that true? Does anybody know? Why is that sentence true that we'll, have a, we'll grow to have a genuine love for everybody? Because it is in your identity to love everybody. Because you bear the identity of Jesus Christ who, listen, loves everybody. Period. Non-negotiable. Therefore, it is possible for us to love everybody. Have we arrived? No, because there's some people I don't even like. Okay, it's just true. It just is. Try driving. But the point is this. As we practice loving each other here, and as we practice our experience of Christ in us with him personally, this stuff will start to come out. He does this, not you. You don't have to take this and go, okay, check. Now, move on to patient endurance. Okay, the next three months, you're going to work on patient endurance. It's not your job. As soon as you move to a list, you make it legalistic. Take the life and the truth you see here and make it come alive. It's not even the best part yet. That part was good, but still not. There's more. It says, the more you grow like this, the more you'll become productive and useful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So encourage you to grow like this because then you become productive and useful instead of productionless and useless. Many believers feel useless. Why am I even here? Why do I even bother in life? And the depression can send you downward spiraling. Or you can feel everybody else has all these wonderful gifts. I've got nothing to offer. Yes, you do. You've got Jesus. The more you grow like this, you become productive and useful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is. This is the, this is the, the left hook. But those who fail to develop these virtues are blind or at least very short-sighted of what? They have already forgotten that God has cleansed them from their old life of sin. This is baby level. This is child level faith. Do you know you're forgiven? Do you know you're clean? Let the Holy Spirit confirm that in you today. Let him draw you to the scriptures so it comes alive. If you're hungry for more of him, it's not that you need more of him, it's more awareness of his existing presence in you. That's what I hunger for. 
Because the more I sense his presence, the less I tend to do my stuff, the binging on fast food and whatever. Like, not that any of you have that problem. I'm just saying that for me, I sometimes have a, you know, I got that, give me the crazy Canuck menu that's so not good for you, but so tasty. But then the Holy Spirit reminds me, I got a long life planned for you. <sighs> Can I do it once in a while? Sure. Okay, good. Let the Holy Spirit be your guide, be your wisdom, be your encouragement. I got another six slides, but we have no time. <laughs> so next week we're going to have fun. We're going to start to dig into uh, the, the pre-planning for the service on the, on the 13th. And we're going to talk about why is this church here? Why does it exist? Not to be religious, but to be a life-giving source, a life-sending source with a message that is actually good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a church family that actually is loving. Will you teach us how to love others? Will you be the one that guides and directs the steps of the path we're individually on right now? And not compare it with the person sitting beside us, because they're on a different path but that we can just look fully into your eyes and go, Jesus, it's just you and me. Can, can you speak into my heart right now? What is it you want to say? Speak, for I am listening. Help us all to be able to say that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.